what must be true for us to be mature as an industry? What must be true for us to have the foundational pieces in place that we can look not only at our customers, not only at marketing, not only at advertising, but at corporate counsel, at the board, and to say we have the structures, the strictures, the requirements, the guidelines, the legal reviews, and the technology standards, we have those in place for this to work in a level playing field so that we can benefit and others can benefit. That's the sign of a mature industry. What does it take to be mature? What does it take for us to grow up properly so we can be respectful of each other and the overall industry can grow in use, in revenue, in innovation, in ecosystem, in all the things that we can envision? Can we put in place that which will allow it to grow? Welcome to the Sound in Marketing podcast. This episode picks up in part two of my conversation with John Stein of the Open Voice Network, where he broaches the question, can we make voice worthy of a user's trust? How can we set in place guidelines and structures across the voice and sound ecosystem that will welcome customers and traffic and usages? I've seen a lot of what it seems like to me, um, companies kind of siloing themselves in um, how they do conversational AI, how they do voice first. Like, I feel like it's, they have their own standards and guidelines and they're not necessarily, there's not a general standards and guidelines. That's been my impression. I feel like there's more work that's being done, but how do you feel about that? Do you feel like every, everybody's kind of coming up with their own thing or is it more of a a community event? It's a bit of both, but um, into a very good question and on a critical topic, I'd say this. The reason that so many are coming up with their own is because there hasn't been, let's say, a central or a neutral or a nonprofit approach. One that doesn't have, you know, an approach that doesn't have an inherent bias toward the success of a company or an organization. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not that everyone would adopt a neutral nonprofit approach, but it's neutral and it's been developed from multiple perspectives and it's been tested and vetted. Those are the kind of things the Open Voice Network does. And in the absence of that, it's it's a void. Everyone's going to try and fill it. But I can tell you on that critical topic of ethical use of voice, and we all, marketers, you all know the various, what, seven, eight, ten layers of voice data meaning and analysis, biometric, biomarker, location, you know, what you say, how you say it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is, this is a trust issue. This is a lawsuit waiting to happen issue from corporate legal. You know, this is interesting. This voice thing could be very interesting, but unless we have this figured out, we're not going to touch it. Uh, This is very interesting, but, you know, all I see right now is if we take a slip with the data, we're going to have nothing but lawsuits. Don't do it. So there are a number of things that we have to, as a broader community, is coming together with some central neutral, non-self-interested guidelines on privacy and security so we can have those kind of conversations. And without that, there's going to be, everyone's going to have to do it just to fill the void. 
And it makes me think of, because voice is growing very quickly. And um, like, like you were saying, it's, it's in the very uh, nascent stage. It's very new. Um, this is the time to establish these things. Because I, I think of um, uh, a large corporation that grew like gangbusters and uh, had many lawsuits recently, where their, uh, their, their ethical guidelines and morals that they followed were just based off of three or four guys, you know, interpretation of it. And then it, it grew and it grew and it grew and it never actually got established. It was more off of a gut reaction and like the, the ethical implications, you know, the, the line items grew and grew, but it was still based off of this, you know, core group. And then they got into a lot of trouble and billions of dollars in lawsuits and billions of dollars of departments that were um, formulated had to close because they had to start all over again. Why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to fix things before it gets to that and lose a ton of money? I just think that there's so much value in establishing things now. Uh, yes, we're busy and we have to like get the next thing going and all that stuff, but it's worth a slowdown to just stop and go, okay, what is the standard? It's, it's worth asking the question, what must, again, back to this question, what must be true for us to be mature as an industry? What must be true for us to have the foundational pieces in place that we can look not only at our customers, not only at marketing, not only at advertising, but at corporate counsel, at the board, and to say we have the structures, the strictures, you know, the, the requirements, the guidelines, the legal reviews, and the technology standards. We have those in place for this to work in a level playing field so that we can benefit and others can benefit. That's the sign of a mature industry. And we're growing rapidly. We're but and we're in the gawky adolescence right now, you know, kind of like junior, you know, maybe between middle school and you know, elementary somewhere, and you know, bumping around and you know, looking ugly and whatever else, finding our way. But we're soon gonna be at the adult stage or the early adult stage. What does it take to be mature? What does it take for us to grow up properly so we can be respectful of each other and the overall industry can grow in use, in revenue, in innovation, in ecosystem, in all the things that we can envision? Can we put in place that which will allow it to grow? And I think that what we've experienced in this past year is a real opportunity for our eyes being open to things that, uh, you know, as a white female, I wasn't paying attention like I should have. My eyes were not open to certain things. And I'm thinking about um, just the bias of the default voice is a white female. Does that really, in, does that really represent just I'm just talking about the U.S. Does that represent the West Coast? You know, like to really think about who we're representing vocally. Like this is a big deal. I think it's a huge deal. I think the inclusivity of voice is a huge issue for the industry and for society at large. I grew up in the Midwest and I am told I speak Cincinnati TV announcer American English <laughs> with a baritone. <laughs> which is probably the highest accuracy and understanding within voice, you know, 
um, natural language understanding, you know, algorithms, because the engineers may have grown up in the Midwest, they probably went to Purdue or Illinois, and they they speak like I do. Mm-hmm. That's the training set. But we're not the world, and we must understand the world. Voice at its best is embracing, is inclusive. We all speak, but we must be able to all be heard. And that's a huge challenge for the industry. Um, And I love what I see across the industry in developing training sets and expanding. I mean, Microsoft's work in understanding multiple languages is sensational, as well as Google's and Amazon's and others. Tremendously important issue. Everyone must be heard. And whether you speak like me or you speak with a different dialect from a different ethnicity, English is your second, third, or fourth language, whatever that is, must be heard. We, we did an experiment on, on the smart speaker and um, we changed the default or not the default, but we changed the voice to uh, an Indian female and uh, she had a really hard time understanding us. And, and it, it did the preface of, you know, this, this may not be totally uh, developed in your area, you know, before you hit. Okay. But I was thinking to myself, uh, the accent, I hear the accent all the time. I, I have a sister-in-law who's Indian and her mother, she's from India too, but her mother has an Indian accent, but she lives in America. So why couldn't I hear that Indian accent that understood the idioms of how I speak? I wasn't necessarily looking for uh, an Indian or an Indian from India, but somebody who speaks American and has an Indian accent. So it's just like little nuances like that, that uh, I know we'll get there. I just, I hope that we'll get there soon. I hope we get there soon. Yeah. It's again, everyone can speak. Everyone must be heard. How far away do you think that we are from having this cohesiveness within the industry, within the voice industry? We're a ways away, I think, and yet we're very close. And that is a very squirmy answer to a very good question. But I, I, I phrase it that way for two reasons. One, there is the, let's say it, skill and action platform to consumer part of the, of the industry growing you know, rapidly. You know, Brett Kinsella and others have pointed out it's slowed a bit. But that continues to grow, and that's going to be of great interest. Entertainment, education, things that tell stories to children. I mean, all that's great stuff. Um, and so and that's going to go on its path, and it may be more platform-centric, and that's great, you know, wonderful. Then there's going to be, and I think what is most interesting, I think, and will lead to the greatest overall growth in voice is let's call it enterprise, but organizational use, is voice assistance, conversational agents. Are they, you know, how is that use going to be integrated into the business processes, operational and consumer facing of organizations from, you know, your health clinic to your United Way center, you know, your YMCA to your big business? the integration of the voice interface and the creation of independent voice assistance, that's a whole nother thing. 
And that's going to be demanding the standards for interoperability, the standards for data protection, the standards you know, for overall discoverability. How do you find a brand and how do you protect a brand? How do you transition a dialogue from say a platform where you start to directly the brand that wants to speak with the brand's own voice and the brand's own persona? You know, how do you do all that? That's where, and so getting to that level, that's going to be the next big jump is bringing the, is creating, if you will, the world of enterprise voice, much as the world of the enterprise web was created some 20, 25 years ago. Same growing pains, probably the same booms and busts and the same need for standardization because standards is what made enterprise, the enterprise internet do what it's done to a large degree. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what has got you really excited about the future of voice? I am, I am so enthralled with the, the potential of conversation. You know, right now we're in the era of kind of Q&A, you know, we ask, it responds, and it's, it's magnificent, you know, and you're connected to billions of websites and billions of data sources, and it's just utterly amazing. But to move and to be able to carry context, the context of remembered conversation of the elements that I just said, and to move into a dialogue, to move from interaction you know, where we have Q&A to conversation, mm -hmm. to dialogue, mm -hmm. that's on a technology basis, it's going to be thrilling. On a societal basis, it's going to be the enterprise and organizational use cases of, oh my gosh, we just, you know, as we found in the internet, we could use the web or web tools, we can use voice or voice tools to do this or this or this or this. Uh, we were in a we had a, a, a what we termed a conference room pilot a week ago, taking a look at the use. And just envision this: you're an Instacart uh, order picker going into a grocery store. You have AirPods in your ears, and voices telling you where to go in the store, so you can pick the order accurately in maybe thirty percent less time which makes you can do that many more orders within your shift or your commitment of time, which is going to be of more value to you, to Instacart, to whatever else. Mm -hmm. Can you use voice in this way? God could. Yeah. Wow. You know, everyone's shaking their head. Yeah, that could work. Wow. There's a zillion of these use cases, a zillion of these ideas. Where can voice, where can the technology accelerate a business process? Where can it change a business process? Where could it even eliminate a business process because mm -hmm. of something else? We're just at the beginning of that. That excites me. Third is just the inclusivity. Yeah. To hear everybody, to hear everybody and to have the opportunity for real-time translation, you know, any number of things. I want to talk to my friends in Beijing. Yeah. It's just a, a tremendous, exciting, tremendous, exciting world out there. 
Well, and I never answer my own question, but I'm going to do it right now. I think that the exciting thing about voice is giving the opportunity for small business to compete with big business. Because I think that there's like my thing is sound and marketing, right? I think that there's such a, such a huge opportunity that has not been reached or realized yet of how you can play with the big, the big dogs, you know, before it was TV and you had to have, you know, hundred thousand dollars to run something on broadcast TV, like a small mom and pop couldn't compete with that. But here you've got voice, you've got this new technology. What are you going to do with it? That's what I'm looking forward to. And it's, it's so exciting to your great point is that with voice, just a little chunk of software on a smartphone, you're right there with your customer all the time. How can you make it easy for that customer to say hello and to say yes? It's right there. Yes. So it's a great point. Well, John, thank you. This was so much fun. I'm so glad that we, we got to finally connect and uh, I'm excited for people to, to listen in. So thank you again for your time. Well, you're very welcome. And for those interested in the Open Voice Network, look us up on the web at www.openvoicenetwork.org and on LinkedIn, Open Voice Network, or look me up on LinkedIn, John J-O-N Stein, S-T-I-N-E. But thank you so much for the opportunity and great to be speaking with you. Absolutely. And I'll link all of this in the show notes too. Thank you so much. Thank you. For more information on the Open Voice Network, go to openvoicenetwork.org. You can also find them and John on LinkedIn. If you're enjoying these conversations on sound in marketing, then I know you'll love this. I have a course on sound's power and influence in marketing that you can enroll in at soundinmarketing.com. Years of research has gone into this course, and I'm confident that you'll learn a lot. My goal is that you'll be able to take this information and begin applying it to your brand or company. And if you need further help, I also consult. So head on over to soundinmarketing.com to preview the trailer, view the curriculum, and sign up for a dose of sound in marketing. You can find the Sound and Marketing podcast on all the major podcast channels. So don't forget to share it with your friends, follow, and rate it. More people should know about this stuff. I know you know that now. For any other inquiries, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.